we're back with another this is our first recording of 2021 Ooh. holy shit it is we we made it we have been doing this almost a year god damn that's a long time it's a long time <laughs> it's longer than any relationship i've ever been in that's not true because you've been with leah much longer than 10 months <laughs> you're right <laughs> Yeah. I'm just kidding. So, Carly, who do we have on today? We have none other than Miss Shannon Deans, right? Deans. We have to pronounce the S. Yeah, make sure the S is in there. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't know that, but I mean. <laughs> Mess up one ad. I, I mean, that could make or break something. I don't know what it would make or break. You know what? If the Bills wouldn't have made the playoffs because of that false advertisement. <laughs> it would have been my fault. It would have been your fault. Oh, you know what I need to... I should just sit with this on my knee. Oh. Today. Mm. Well, as much as I want to talk shit, I can't because I didn't make the playoffs in any of my leagues. Um. Yeah. So, well, and you won, and you won fair and square. I did. So the I trophy can. is staying with its rightful owner. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's continue introducing Shannon, who's just waiting for us to stop rambling about fantasy football. I know, right? <laughs> Shannon, tell us a little bit about your industry of what you do, because I know you've had a wide selection of... Um, different jobs in this industry so i want the people to know a little bit about like all different types of facets of uh what you've been able to do so i am a licensed social worker i got that at ub um, a couple of years ago um i've been in the field where i've done mostly crisis work i worked at crisis services for two and a half years i currently work at um ecmc in the psychiatric emergency room essentially um, providing support and assessments for the psychiatrists and for the patients and families. I've also previously worked in um, at a domestic violence shelter as well as a court advocate. I've also raised awareness about people with traumatic brain injury, specifically veterans. Um, so social work kind of covers the gamut mm -hmm. um, from doing one-on-one -on -one to um, trying to change local ordinances. That's awesome. I think I like hearing that it covers such a broad spectrum of things because I think a lot of people, they hear social work and they kind of have an idea of what it is, but I don't think they fully understand the complete spectrum of what a social worker can cover. Um, and it sounds like you've covered a good amount of it. So far. <laughs> yeah. I think being naive about it too, when I was growing up, you know, I always thought, school counseling was the only type of counseling that there was. Yeah. And that was just because I wasn't introduced to anything else until, you know, my parents got a divorce and I was forced to go, <laughs> forced to, go to counseling. And then I realized there's other things, um, you know, other facets of that industry uh, and, and how, and you are right, how broad of a spectrum there is. Um, but uh, growing up, I, I didn't think there was anything else. I wasn't introduced to it. And, and I think a lot, I mean, I want to touch base on this later in the, in the podcast, but I also think a lot of that has to do with 
um, our parents not being exposed to something uh, like that as well. Um, and that, I wouldn't say hurt us, but, you know, emo wasn't really a phase. So it was like, you know, um, we, we didn't have an outlet or didn't have anywhere else to go. And I think that's just because of um, how much it wasn't in the forefront uh, for our parents. But I want to ask those questions later. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I was just talking to my mom about that. Um, so my mom and I both have um, diagnosed anxiety disorders. Um, I, they're different, but same, same. And um, I just bought this book that is called Don't Fucking Panic. And I love it. And it's all about like anxiety, um, panic attacks, depression, and I was, it's kind of like a workbook too. Like you draw in it and everything. And I was showing my mom and she's like, this didn't exist when I needed it to exist. And it's just like you said, Carly, it, it was more taboo. Like mental health wasn't something that people openly talked about. Even going back like 20 years, you know, it wasn't something that people were so openly okay with discussing. So I think this, you know, trend of, it being like, yeah, I go see my therapist all the time. Like people are fine yeah. with saying that rather than like, oh my God, they're seeing a therapist. Like it's, it's much different. I think it's benefiting everyone um, greatly. Well, I, I didn't even want to tell my friends I was going to see a, a therapist when my, when my um, parents got divorced. You know, it was, it was, it was one of those things where I was like, oh man, I'm, I got, I mean, not for nothing. And I was like, I got fucking problems. Like, <laughs> I don't want anyone to know I got fucking problems. And now, yeah, I don't know when or how or what that shift has been. And, you know, Shannon, maybe you can shed some light on it for us. But like, I feel as though since I had the biggest breakdown of my life back in 2015, I've just nothing but seen the growth and exposure to this industry happen. Why do you think that that has happened since that point? I think a lot of it has to do with like mainstream um, celebrities and whatnot talking about their own um, experiences, their own what we call issues, um, anywhere from addiction to their own mental health. Um, and also just seeing a large number of people complete suicide, um, unfortunately, that have been in the spotlight. Um, and also... I think 2015, like, well, in that area is probably when people started actually feeling more comfortable. Heck, when I was in um, undergrad back in 2012, I was afraid to, like, I didn't even want people to see me go to the therapist because yep. I thought I had my own problems and I should be able to handle it on my own. Yep. But over time, like, I'm like, oh, my therapist said I should do this. Or like, that's exactly what this was going on. Um, and I feel like especially our generation there's a baseline anxiety for everybody whether or not people allow it to manifest or whatnot but baseline depression anxiety that we're finally actually talking about and make telling people that it's okay to actually voice the issues absolutely yep. and i i think i wonder like in your thoughts where does that baseline, because it seems like with our generation, you're right, there is that baseline anxiety and depression. Where do you think that stems from? Or do you think our generation is just more aware of it? I think it's a mixture of both. 
because we were the generation that was like, hey, you can literally do anything. And then all of a sudden, 2008 happens, everything kind of blows up. We have a recession, everything starts happening. We're like, right as we're going into school or undergrad, at least typically most Mm -hmm. of us. So like a lot of it has to do with the times that have happened, even looking at um, 9-11, like a lot of things have happened in throughout our youth. Um, yeah, we've lived through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like if you think about it, our generation's like been through some shit. <laughs> and it's funny because like the Gen Xers are like the more hippy dippy, like the eighties people. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of explore some stuff. Um, sorry, my br- brain is slowing down because it's <laughs> my end of my day, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I think it's just like generationally, we've started to open up slowly more and more. And we were the generation that were like the gold, the trophy generation, but then everybody blames the millennials for the Gen, Gen Y or whatever. There's the, yeah, the I next one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, we're not the entitled group. We're just the ones that are trying to figure out how to be adults. Cause yeah. we weren't taught how to like write out checks and pay bills and actually understand the student loans that we were getting ourselves into. Like the economy has, the price of everything has got just skyrocketed. So it makes sense that our anxiety is a lot higher because most of our parents had us in their like early twenties where I'm 30 and I still can't fathom having a child right now. I'm still trying to figure out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So it's just like, everything that we're doing is delayed so I think it's just more trying to figure out where we are in the world Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out yeah yeah that makes total sense I mean even when you look at like technology right we're we were the generation that we still played outside and so we didn't have Mm -hmm. cell phones until like we were older right I mean it's such a silly way to describe it but we were kind of this weird middle, middle like guinea pig generation that everything started to develop as we were growing up. So we kind of just had to like keep up with it. Yeah. Um, our our generation's just figuring it out. Yeah. Trial by error is pretty much yeah. the millennials. Yeah. It is, it is fascinating to me. You, Maggie, you bring up a topic that I've talked to a lot of older people about and they get upset at their kids for you know, being on technology all the time and, you know, staying in the rooms and all those things. And it's like, I try to think about if I was growing up in this day and age, like I'd probably be addicted to video games and like being on my phone all the time. Like it's at your fingertips at all times, but it will give this like younger generation credit. Like they're figuring out how to make money and make a career for themselves by utilizing the tools that are at their disposal. I mean, we would have never fathomed people being YouTube famous or create content that people pay for on services. Like, that is mind boggling to me that like, those are actual industries and these people make millions of dollars. Yeah. Like, as much as they're idiots, the Paul brothers have done everything correctly in in this day and age of of technology and YouTube and content and all these things. And, you know, people want to be upset at that generation for not applying themselves and, you know, not going into the workforce. And it's like, no, they're, they're, they're doing pretty well for themselves. I don't know how they make the money, 
but they do something to make the money <laughs> and their net worth is like over 20 million dollars like that's insane to me mm-hmm. yeah i think it's just such a weird culture gap between like the generation like the the jake pauls the the d'amelio sisters like all of those um i don't even know what the generation is now that it would be called gen z i think right. that's what it is yeah. um, all of those ones that are making this money on youtube tiktok different virtual platforms and then you have this older generation that's like the baby boomers that are like that's not a job but they don't understand it is it's just the way that the world is shifting and and then here we are in the middle like we can do either (laughs) yeah (laughs) just let us know where you need us to be (laughs) yeah right (laughs) student student loan debt you know yeah that we're just (laughs) over in millennial land but um, yeah. Carly, why don't you bring one of the first questions that we have um, forward? Okay. Okay. First question. It's common to feel overstressed and whelmed. Period. When should you seek professional help? Whenever, quite frankly. Um, I feel like having just like a third party that has no idea what's going on just to talk to, to kind of let it out and also see it from different perspectives. Um, And also you don't want to try to find help when you're in that crisis. I'd rather you have the help and then like, you might still have the crisis, but I'd rather just like in medicine, you want to do preventative things to prevent injury. Same with mental health. If you find a therapist that you really work with, you don't have to go weekly or daily. You could go monthly. There's different therapists and different ways to kind of do that. Yeah. Preach, Shannon. (laughs) That's the perfect, especially because a lot of our listeners are lifters. And so, you know, they see everything from a physical perspective. Um, Your mind is just as important as your knee or your shoulder or your hip or your back or anything. Um, You know, it's a part of your body and to treat it preventatively with the same care that you would any of your warm-ups or um, prehab type of things mm-hmm. is important to visualize. Um, I and think, also having, yeah. sorry, and having your mind straight even when you're lifting is important. Carly and I just had a really rough deadlifting session because my brain hates me sometimes, but we still made it through somehow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> we all this have is true those mental shutdown days. Do you, I'm going to make a pun, but I consider myself the bartender. <laughs> you ha, really are. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. I think, <laughs> so that actually, that brings up a, a good point. I want to ask about what advice would you give someone who is trying to find that balance between lifting and maintaining some sort of um, mental health? Every person has different ways of maintaining their mental health. So some people do really well with like meditation and grounding and lifting's perfect for that, where you're literally putting a load on your body and that's literally grounding you because you can't think of anything else with like 200 pounds on your back yeah, or over true. your chest or whatever. So working towards that um, really helps, but also 
knowing on the days that you're just not mentally there, knowing what your limits are as well. And as I've learned, don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. That's one of my hardest thing is not being a perfectionist when it comes to lifting. I'm still learning. I haven't been doing this that long. Mm -hmm. So it's just taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture of what's going on, whether it's the stresses from work, stresses from family, taking care of your mental health and knowing that sometimes that will affect your lifting and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You just work through it and you find the help that you need that best suits you. Yeah. One and thing, one, one thing I want to go back to that um, you guys brought up, uh, Shannon, you made a great point. And I think that applies to almost every industry, like getting ahead of it, right? Like getting ahead of your, of your problems. Um, and, and I can relate this very closely, not myself, but just what I see with injuries in the gym, right? Like if you don't get ahead of it, right. When it starts becoming a slow problem, and that slow problem, all of a sudden it's going down the hill and it just snowballs and snowballs and that snowball just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it becomes insurmountable, AKA you have to stop lifting. Um, that's, I think what I can relate it to the most because I see it the most with, with Matt and Zach um, in treating injuries, right? If someone doesn't get ahead of it before the game, it becomes insurmountable and then they have to stop what they're doing. And I feel mm -hmm. like the same thing the same thing can get related to mental health. If you let it fester for a little bit and you don't go see someone or talk about it or just keep piling stuff on top of it, all of a sudden it's just going to erupt and become a problem and you can't function. And that's yeah. what I would, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but full-blown anxiety or depression. Yeah. Or even when it escalates to the point of having suicidal thoughts yeah. and just feeling that worthlessness and hopelessness. There's so yeah. many ways that that can manifest if you're not managing your own mental health and your own things. Absolutely. And I know, I know this is like somewhat off topic, but not really. Oh if no one has ever watched the new season of Big Mouth, it does a really good job of portraying it in a middle school and high school type of way. Like I know Big Mouth is supposed to be raunchy and funny and hilarious and Nick Kroll has done an amazing job, it but it is also super, yeah. it is also super educational for a lot of people. That's what I'm they having have, my kid watch instead of having the talk. I'm just going to be like, hey, go watch Big Mouth. <laughs> you progress from Teletubbies to Big Mouth. Yeah, it's just right into it. <laughs> I mean, shoot, they have, they have a, a fucking mosquito called Tito the Anxiety Mosquito. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and he's always around and he's always fucking around yeah, so perfect perfect metaphor um right. anyways maggie you're up i'm sorry <laughs> well before i get into the next question um so shannon you mentioned the grounding and i like that you talked about lifting physically does ground you um so for someone who doesn't have the privilege of being able to go to use a barbell or have that outlet of lifting what would be some grounding techniques that you would recommend to them to put into their own practice? Honestly, um, doing some deep breathing. So breathing in for five, like counting to five, holding for five and releasing for five is a really easy thing. Also, um, the Superman pose where you put your hands behind your head, that kind of opens your chest and also grounds your body by putting pressure um, especially for people with, that are having panic attacks or just are having pretty extreme anxiety, 
like counting five things that you can see, um, four things that you can hear, three things that you can smell, two things that you can touch, or and so you just go through all the senses. So there's a, a couple really easy ones. Also, um, there's progressive muscles. So you squeeze your hands, you try to squeeze your arms, chest, abs, legs, and just kind of go up and down. So it's still bringing pressure to your body, even if you're not able to lift. Nice. Yeah, those are great. I think, I think those are definitely nice tools to have for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> if they're not at the gym and something happens, like they need to be able to, to cope. Um, I wanted to get into um, talking about supporting the mental health of others in your life. So one of the questions we got was, what's the best way to support a partner who is starting therapy? Just letting them know that they're, you're there. And if they want to talk and process, because there's only so much time you have in therapy. And also knowing yourself and if you're able to have conversations. And if anything, working on setting boundaries early to know what you can handle and what, and what things you might want to ask them to talk to somebody else about. Because I'm sure everybody has their own things going on. Different things might trigger different aspects of different things. So just knowing where you're at helps. Um, and then that way you can explain those boundaries to a partner specifically, or just to a friend in general. Right. Yeah, I think partner can be substituted with really anyone that's yeah. in the person's life. And we had a similar question come in that was, um, what would you tell people who struggle with talking to others about mental health? So like, if they're having difficulty having those conversations with someone who may be struggling with their mental health, like what would you, what advice would you give that outside party? Like how to get somebody to talk about it or? Yeah, like say, say they're trying to talk, like a friend is trying to um, help a, another friend who is struggling with their mental health, but they're not able to connect or they're just having difficulties with providing the support that they want to mm -hmm. provide. Um, what advice would you give them? Meet people where they're at. Sometimes sharing your own experiences when somebody's not willing to open up as much, showing that you've been in a similar place, mm -hmm. but also being aware, not trying to do like the one-up thing, like, oh, this happened to you. Well, this happened to me and that kind of stuff. So just be aware of that. But a lot of times, like sharing mutual experiences really helps people to start opening up and being like, hey, I'm actually not alone in this. You might, I might not have experienced it specifically. Like um, one of my coworkers was talking to somebody about losing a family member and he was able to connect with the person very well because they had both recently lost somebody. So it allowed them to kind of understand without having to explain further. Mm -hmm. um, but also knowing where that friend or that person's at and what their needs are. And honestly, straight up asking, how can I help you right now? Yeah. Like if you just need me to sit here, cool. Um, or if you need food, I got you. Like just kind of figuring out where they are and meeting them there because everybody processes and explain like opens up differently. Sure. I think it's really, it, it's, this can be, again, like most things, people can always associate better when they have something in common. 
And I think like, it's easy to just relate to people that are like you, right? Like, it's just, oh, we have the same experience. Let's touch upon that, right? And then, you know, we can bond over something like that. And then usually when people bond, they're more uh, expressive, you know, as the relationship builds. Um, But I think you are right. I think it's a fine fine line of, um, you know, too much similarity and not enough progression in the sense of like, okay, I'm not really helping myself. I'm just creating this bond over, over same similar issues that we both have. And I'm not actually working through any of my problems. I feel like that's a, that's a pretty fine line that people tend to walk through. And then again, you know, I I guess maybe I'm a little bit more to the point, but I always, at what point do you recommend them going to get professional help? At what point in that, friend bond or or um, relationship bond do you just say you need to go see someone like at what point is that conversation had i mean like i said before whenever but also if you find that you yourself are just having a hard time being there for that person maybe being like hey um i go to a great therapist do you want um, help maybe finding one um, and maybe explain like if you'd go to therapy like explain like hey this is how it's helped me maybe you should try this or I can help yeah. you um, but especially like if they're mentioning some more like severe experiences with like anxiety or depression like whether they're having trouble getting out of bed or it's starting to prevent them from doing different things that's of course when like I would strongly encourage people to go seek counseling um, and also there's a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different apps, um, even at ECMC, not just because I work there, but they have a place called the Help Center. And it's similar to like an urgent care for mental health. So they have counselors ready and available there. I think from, I wanna say 8 a.m. until 9 or 10 p.m. at night. I'm not sure what the specific hours, but there's always somebody there if somebody just genuinely needed to talk to somebody right then and there. So those are different resources that people could offer. That's good to know, actually. I didn't know that the ECMC had that. Yeah, I've heard about that in other cities. I didn't know Buffalo offered something like that. Yeah, and I think Spectrum also might have opened like a more urgent care kind of setting too. But I know, obviously, don't know as much about that at this moment. Spectrum, like the internet service? <laughs> Spectrum Human Services. I think it's oh, okay. Main Street. <laughs> Yeah, you can fill your cable with mental health services. I mean, that'd be great. I mean, anything to lower my rate. I mean, I'm down. (laughs) No one uses a landline, but we can all use mental health services. (laughs) (laughs) True. Um, That actually, so I wanted to, I just thought of this. I wanted to ask your opinion on, so a lot of influencers that I follow or like other podcasts that I listen to, they're always you know, promoting their sponsors. And the one that constantly is coming up is BetterHelp, which is um, a virtual platform for mental health counseling. And what are your thoughts on, you know, being in a digital age? What are your thoughts on virtual services like that rather than in-person? I mean, I personally prefer in-person, but for especially, like, for example, my new schedule, I work overnights. Mm -hmm. So that might be a better solution for people that are working odd hours and aren't able to get into different clinics with like the normal nine to five hours 
Um, and honestly, it depends on the person. It might work really well for one person and it might work horribly for another. Um, and if anything, I just am happy that people are actually reaching out and talking to people because that once you normalize and actually talk to people, it will make things a lot more um, easier to handle. Yeah, it begins that healing process. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, Shannon. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big virtual um, therapy session. I tried it once. It just wasn't for me. It's not, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is exactly why I like doing my job, but I feel a better connection in person than I do online. It's hard to, you don't really get that body language as much. You don't really feel that, that, you know, the real in life connection that you can actually make with people. Um, and that's hard for me, especially when, uh, especially when I'm, you know, that means a lot to me. If I'm like going to open up to someone and be vulnerable, like I want to feel that we're on the same page and like, I can't necessarily get that vibe necessary, uh, all the time via online. Yeah. But also what's kind of cool with like better help or those different apps is a lot of times you can text. So a lot of people yeah. that have a hard time vocalizing things. And they can text yeah. better. So it, that's helpful too. Yeah, that's sure. a good point. I think it definitely depends on the person. Yeah. You know, like you said, that's if someone does have a hard time, you know, verbalizing exactly what they need, um, they need that second to just like text it and like get it down. That I didn't even think about that. That's, that's very true. Yep. That is a good point. Carol, what's I think I got. Yeah, it's one more question. Yeah, this is a big one, I think. <laughs> um, I guess this is, you know, a uh, <laughs> um, the the theme of 2020. Well, now that we're in 2021, but it's not like it went away. No. Um, you know, the election made sure everything went away, right? Just kidding. <laughs> it wouldn't be um, without Carly bringing up the election. <laughs> <laughs> There's a recount happening. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, how do we even begin to manage COVID fatigue? Honestly, living moment to moment, I am pretty sure that the person already sent me the message <laughs> letting me know she's <laughs> in here. Um, especially like for those that are on the front lines, and that means anybody from working at grocery stores to EMS to the hospital to working in mental health. I mean, even the gym is frontline in many ways because once we finally were able to open back up it's been a lot of support for people mm -hmm. um COVID fatigue <laughs> I'm sure that'll be in the DSM in like the next like 10 session 10 versions down the road but kind of figuring out where you you're at and also allowing yourself to just feel because so many of us have been in go mode since um March of last year. So finding those small moments, whether it's like walking outside to get fresh air and breathing to getting to the gym or um, at home routines that you might have for working out. Um, but really, unfortunately, right now, it's just kind of going moment to moment and just looking at that piece in front of you, stepping over it, like going through it and then continuing on. Um, it's really been a test for self-care for every profession. Definitely. Um, yeah. 
and self-care is so individualized like back in grad school I didn't really think much of it they have like a whole class I felt like that only talked about self-care and how to take care of yourself but until you're in those stressful moments it's hard to figure out what you revert back to so making sure you eat every day making sure you're trying to get enough water when you're able to I mean that was a whole issue when I was working my other job I was out driving all over kingdom come and I didn't know and I had access to a bathroom so if anything I dehydrated myself so that I could make sure I was efficient for work, which unfortunately a lot of people, especially nurses, I can't even imagine the ones that are running around and not really able to take care of themselves. Um, even just figuring out like small snacks to feed yourself with whatever you're doing and whatever you're going through. Or if you're stuck at home, doing at home um, work, trying to have a specific space to do the work and then leave that behind when you're actually off of work. That was something that was super difficult for me when I was working at home as well as out in the community. I'm actually really grateful that I just work at work. When I come home, I'm home. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. You're, you're right. It takes, it's just little moments every day, right? Like just navigating those little things each time because you know, this is such a huge, and it's not going away anytime soon. It's such a huge problem that if we take that on ourselves as like, when is it going to get solved? How can I solve this? Like, how, like it becomes this burden that we don't necessarily need to be carrying, you know, mm -hmm. if we take the time to do our part and then um, appreciate what we have around us it's a, a far better way to spend that energy, um, I think, rather than dwelling on like, oh my God, when is this going to be over? Because you're going to just, like Harley said, keep snowballing yourself. Yeah. And even especially yeah. because this past year, there's been so many political issues that have occurred and trying to advocate for people's rights it's just been super difficult to like want to be able to do this, but also trying to keep yourself afloat. Yep. So knowing yourself and knowing how you're able to provide the extra support to like the black lives matter mm -hmm. or to whatever cause that you're working towards, um, knowing how you can help, but at your level, it's not like you're going to be able to go out to the protest every single day. Yeah. Some people can, and that's amazing. And I'm happy for them, but trying to figure out what in those instances, like, how you can actually take those steps to better support the communities that you want to support. Yeah, that's, that's a great point too. Um, I think when that movement started, everyone wanted to like be gung ho with it. Right. Um, but do what you like physically and mentally can um, don't push your own body to the limit or your own mind to the limit. Um, because then you're just creating even more of a problem. <laughs> Ultimately, we're yeah. on a marathon. That's really yeah. what it is. Yeah, we're not doing a sprint. It's a full-on marathon. So get comfortable. <laughs> Unfortunately, sure. yeah. But I, true, I, true, I, feel, true. I feel for the frontline workers. I mean, I, I give them tons and tons of credit. I mean, we were talking about it a little bit before Carly hopped on. It's just, it takes a special kind of person, and I think that you know they deserve all the shout-outs in the world. Very much yeah. so. I think um, 
you know, you, you, you talk about COVID fatigue and, you know, cherishing the little things. And uh, I know Maggie watched it. We watched it before Maggie. But uh, uh, the movie Soul uh, that just came out uh, on Disney is um, probably the most COVID fatigue healing type of movie that you could watch. Um, it really puts a lot of things in perspective. And what's even cool, even more cool about it is um, it lets you decide what the fate of the person is. And it lets you decide how you want to end the movie, not necessarily, um, you know, them giving you this fairy tale ending. You know, it's, it's I think it, it really does a great job of understanding how things can really truly be put in perspective and how simplistic life really can be um, if you just take a second to think about it. I think that them releasing that movie at the time that they did was one of the smartest things. I mean, they're not a multi-billion dollar company for no reason. No. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> like, obviously, I had a very good cry from it because I cried everything. But especially One cry? One cry? No, there were multiple cries. But it was like a, a healing cry, you know, like you, you're watching it and it's like when he's playing, I'm not giving anything away, but when he's playing the piano towards the end of the movie, that hit me hard. And there was no like dialogue. There was nothing. It was just him appreciating music. And it was like this little moment that made him think of all these other little moments. And I'm sitting there just like tears. <laughs> but I think that people need that right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I, sent a, I sent a Snapchat to Leah after and I was like, uh, I just finished Soul and I was just like red and like, there was like a single like one tear. <laughs> Maggie, Maggie was not okay. I was not, but I was okay. Like, that's the thing. So it was, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it yet. And honestly, just letting yourself cry. That's yeah. a great way to release so much stuff. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's a big thing that people avoid, yep. right? No one wants to cry, like, because then you're like, you're vulnerable and you're, showing this like weak side of yourself quote unquote and it's no you need that release you need that ability to just like get it out like it's okay to get it out mm -hmm. shoot i cry all the time but <laughs> i also have lots of hormones going on so yeah i'm gonna say you, you got some other body stuff going on too not that you don't not that you don't cry a lot already. But. Yeah, I was going to say, there's been many a time that Carly has had to deal with me just crying. I'm sure most of us, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. been a thing. <laughs> the bartender. That's that's a good way to put it. I like it. So, yeah. uh, Carly, do you have any other questions that you can think of? I have one one more to finish this off. I have, do you feel as though because of how much exponential growth, uh, um, you know, the talking about anxiety and depression and mental health has become a thing? In the last seven years, do you feel like there's too much information out there, almost in, to the point where there's 
too much misinformation out there or like giving people the wrong advice. Um, the only reason I mention that is because similarly to the fitness industry, there's been a lot of misinformation that gets brought out because of how popular that it's gotten in the sense of like how people talk about it, want to be about it. You know, they want to better themselves physically and now they want to better themselves mentally. Do you feel as though there's a lot of misinformation out there? Or do you think all information is good information? I'm trying to think of like what specific information's out there. Um, I guess more what I'm saying is the advice that um, I guess we'll go influencers, right? Like how much influencer advice is good advice? You know, like how much, um, I don't know, I'll just use just because I think everyone knows who she is. Kim Kardashian, let's say she started talking about her mental health and started giving advice. And I don't know if she has or not, but is that like, where do you draw the line of credibility of listening to um, people talk about what advice they would give to someone? I think more, my concern with that is like, if a celebrity starts giving their advice on like how they beat, depression or how they beat anxiety. I think the be there's different ways um, for people to work through their different anxieties or their different mental health because there's also bipolar, there's schizophrenia, like there's a whole gamut of different mental health diagnoses that a lot of people don't talk about or they often villainize as well. Mm -hmm. And some people, they might do well with medications or not. And some people don't. I think that's where I get concerned with like influencers and different people talking about how to treat things because if they're not trained in it, I would w want to go back and look. Whereas yeah. I think it's also great where they're like, hey, if you experience this, this, and this, you might consider that you might have this diagnosis, which of course, as I started social work school, I psychoanalyzed myself. I psychoanalyzed everybody. And then I finally like took a step back and realized like, I don't have all X, Y, and Z. It's just my life, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of, there might be too much information. Like, I feel like a lot of people are thinking that they're diagnosed with ADHD or when people are like, I'm an empath, which there's one way to be empathetic, but there's another way to like be, consider yourself an empath. Like, mm -hmm different people experience different things. And like, if you are constantly taking on emotional labor, of course, you're going to feel weighed down. It's going to be difficult for you. And you're going to take on a lot of stuff, which is what sure. self-care we talked about is important. Right. But I think there might be, I don't know if it's misinformation, but I would also, if you're getting this information, look at the source that it's coming from or look at where they're getting their information from. So just like, don't, um, when you Google something or like looking at Wikipedia, you're not going to believe everything on Wikipedia. Right. A lot of times, like there are yeah. still some like valuable stuff, but like when you're doing research projects, you don't look at Wikipedia for your research information. Um, same goes for mental health and also people saying like the stupid, well, I don't know, stupid posts, but like, oh, outside is how I cure all of my mental health. I don't need medication. Yeah. <laughs> And those make me so mad because some people really benefit from medication. Sure. And some people yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah. Some people I will raise my hand. Well with it. 
and that's okay too and it's just figuring out what works best for you and your body and with your providers mm -hmm. sure yeah i think fact checking it just constantly just like you would with anything else you know like people were fact checking all of the political posts constantly why wouldn't you do that with mental health information yeah sure. especially because i think that obviously politics affect all of us but like your mental health is going to affect you much more directly than um you know what's going on in a different state but yeah i you're right that was i'm glad you brought that up carly that's there's a lot of info out there Mm -hmm. And also even just trying to take time away from like social media and taking time away from stuff because that's another yep. COVID fatigue. Way too much information. You're stuck at home. Mm -hmm. Trying to take moments just away from everything. Sure. So kind of a lighthearted question then. What is your favorite form of self-care? Honestly, right now it's not to like brown nose, but it's lifting for me. <laughs> um, it's more so, especially when I was working at crisis services, a lot of times the different patients would get angry and say really mean things. And then I'd be like, well, I did just squat this earlier today. And then they're like, oh, okay, I'll shut up then. <laughs> so lifting not only helps me physically, but it makes me feel empowered and makes me feel also emotionally strong even after the rough days. Yeah. And I haven't been able to find anything else like that kind of encompasses a lot of that. Now getting in on my days three and four is a whole other conversation that I'm working on, Carly. <laughs> <laughs> but. We're like, getting there. We're, I'm coming in today, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> that day four, I get it. <laughs> it's always the deadlift day. <laughs> oh that me. day i never missed but squat day i would gladly just like <laughs> toss We're the opposite <laughs> <laughs> but for me especially lifting or even just making sure i eat and sleep those are the things that like going back to the basics mm -hmm. which i know carly talks about with lifting all the time too but it's funny how everything kind of makes sense like that right it's just going back to the basics and all of Carly's little nuggets that he says, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> no, let's not give him too much credit. I know. <laughs> Last week was a right, rough one. I'm right here. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that we like to do is we always ask what our advice for the week would be to our listeners. So if you had to give our listeners one piece of advice for this week, what would it be? Find your self-care at least one thing that you can do for yourself every day if not every day at least every week or every couple days and just do something for yourself because we're in a world where we constantly have to give 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 true yeah i like it carol like what it. else you got anything to add good go bills <laughs> go bills it's a big weekend it is a, it is a very big weekend We'll see if that, I mean, I feel good about it. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> see, Stefan Diggs, he found his self-care on the sidelines. He was flossing his teeth. Yeah, he was flossing. Yeah. Oral health is important. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a 
meme that was like um predictions when Diggs was signed to Buffalo he's going to be problematic off of the field and then it like showed Diggs off the field and he's just like flossing his teeth <laughs> I, I saw that meme too and I was like I died laughing when I saw that I was like this is this is perfect <laughs> yeah. yeah he's where he belongs yes so. well Shannon thank you very much for taking time out of that your end of the work day it's yeah. early <laughs> for us but it's end of the day for her um, and we hope that everyone listening was able to take something, um, you know, out of this to maybe help For themselves, sure. help someone else, um, but somehow benefit from it. So we appreciate that and go Bills. Go Bills. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys for listening. We'll see you next week for our next, well, two weeks. We'll see you in two weeks for our next speaker. Oh. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.